Let us prepare our hearts and our minds to receive God's word. Let us pray. Lord God, help us turn our hearts to you and hear what you will speak. For you speak peace to your people through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Old Testament reading comes from the book of Psalms, chapter 147, verses 12 through 20. I will be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Listen for the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He grants peace within your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. He sends out his commands to the earth He's, his word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down hail like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob his statues and ordinances to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his ordinances. Praise the Lord, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The New Testament reading comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 14. Listen for the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, he has made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure that he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth, in Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who's accomplished all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who are first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him were marked with the seal of the promise, 
of the Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people to the praise of his glory. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious God, fill us with your spirit that your preached word will fall fresh on us today. Amen. The sermon title this morning is The Abiding Gifts in Christ. We are two Sundays after Christmas, and for many, the pressure of gift-giving and gift-receiving has come to an end. The build-up to Christmas and Christmas Day was exciting, but we are ready to get back to everyday life. We have put away our gifts, and the trees and decorations are coming down. We find comfort in returning to the routines of our pre-Christmas life. No hustle and no bustle. Like me, you probably receive gifts you can't even use. I received a gift from a store who failed to remove the security device from my sweater, and I still have to take it back. I am not alone in gift returns. Many stores are full of people returning their gifts for refunds, exchanging items for something different, or upgrading. Receiving gifts at this point is probably buying for ourselves. As the tension of the season slowly moves past us, we realize everyday life has its own pressures and expectations. If we are not mindful, what life offers us can shape our outlook on life and our dreams, even as Christians. The letter to the Ephesians is appropriate for the time of the season. It is a community letter addressed to the saints in Ephesus and the surrounding churches whose audience was predominantly Gentile Christians facing enormous pressures to conform to the pagan social, political, and religious practices around them. Ephesus was the third largest city in the Roman Empire with around 250,000 people during early Christianity. It was a major commercial port, and the city benefited uh, from the region and the reign of Augustus, who brought what is known as the Pas Romanus, the Peace of Rome. If you can imagine, Ephesus had its attractions that could cause anyone to be distracted. Some young people might say, Ephesus had it going on. The shrine of Artemis, the temple goddess of fertility for the Greeks and Diana for the Romans, was a tourist hotbed in Ephesus. The shrine provided lucrative tourist business as people traveled from all around the known world to visit the temple and to pay offerings to the shrine. Unearthed inscriptions portray the goddess Artemis as a savior who was able to answer prayer. She was considered a mighty deity, according to biblical scholars. As one scholar notes, her perceived power may have come from the legend 
that she came directly from heaven. Moreover, the citizens of Ephesus worshipped up to 50 different gods and goddesses. There were even imperial cults with religious dimensions. They built shrines and statues to give honor to the emperor. An inscription connected to the statue, statue of Emperor Hadrian refers to him as founder and savior. We too, as individuals and the church, live in a world that promises to give us the best that it has to offer through marketing and consumerism. Many people and things in our culture are idolized and worshiped because of their attractions and benefits to society. The political and social and religious milieu of our day can cause us, as believers in Jesus, spiritual struggles and temptations. It is easy to tuck Christ away as we tuck away the gifts we have opened on Christmas Day and slide back into a comfort zone where it can be easy to forget what Christ has given to us. Yet, under the stress and isolation of imprisonment, Paul pins this letter. He knew the benefits of Christ beyond the wrappings of their world, the temptation to fall into sin. He tells them that God handpicks the faithful and that there are no cosmic or earthly realities where Christ's power cannot touch them and transform them for God's glory. And as God's own, they were already destined to be God's children through Christ because of his blood. And that in Christ, they were inheritors of redemption because they had been promised the Holy Spirit through believing in the word of God. Paul petitions the faithful to give thanks for the favor they have received in Christ and the reasons why believers ought to give praise to God's glory for his benefits joyfully. In Christ, we receive and are called to live into the immeasurable heavenly gifts because we have been redeemed from the bondage of sin and sealed by the Spirit for God's purpose. Today, how many people say, I am more spiritual than religious? Why is Jesus so important for believers? And what can Christ give me in the 21st century, in 2022, that the world cannot? Is it okay to be more spiritual than religious? I would say that many of us need to do more on the spirituality front as a whole and not be so cerebral and concrete in our understanding of the mystery of God. But God is great and far more enormous than our imaginations could ever grasp. 
But many of our children and young adults have a cosmic view of the world and feel like the man Jesus cannot solve their problems or give them comfort. And so they struggle with their perception of Christ's earthly power in light of the vastness of the universe in which we live. On December the 29th, 2021, CNBC published an online article entitled, Millennials Lead a Shift Away from Organized Religion as the Pandemic Tests American Faith. The Pew Research Center survey found 29% of U.S. adults said they had no religious affiliation, an increase of about six percentage points from 2016, and that millennials are leading the shift away from organized religion. In the article, author Deepak Chopra says the spiritual experience will never go away. I submit the need to find spiritual benefits of something larger than ourselves will always be a driving force for humanity because we are shaped and have our very being through God. The first century hearers had similar concerns. The earth in their minds was the center of the cosmos because the moon, sun, and planet circle their world. In their understanding, this seemed to make sense. But Paul wanted believers to know that in Christ, not only are we blessed with every spiritual blessing, we obtained our benefit before the foundation of the world. There's no spiritual kingdom or godliness seen or unseen, where Christ is not present and has blessed us beyond our comprehension. It is spiritual for us to know that God chose us before the making of the stars, the moon, and heavenly bodies, or in spiritual matters where many contemplate something greater. But there is more than something greater. There is someone greater, who has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, that we might be comforted and given hope for today and tomorrow in the abundance of God's love. We must share with those who spiritually, uh, who put spirituality instead of faith in Christ, that Jesus is more than a man. He is God with us, our Emmanuel. We can be spiritual, but we must know that God's wisdom and insight for the mysteries of God's will are revealed in Christ Jesus. So why is Jesus Christ so important for us as believers? Know that when God chooses us, we are in Christ, not alone in our praise, but a new lineage and belong to God. Some people have given up on their families, but praise be to God, God brings us 
into a sacred family through adoption in Christ. Adoption can have negative connotations, such as low self-esteem, identity issues, difficulty forming emotional attachments, and more challenges. Many do very well. Some famous names seem to have done so. Steve Jobs was surrendered and adopted shortly after birth. Nelson Mandela was adopted at age nine after his father passed away. Simone Biles, the Olympic gymnast, she was adopted. I thank God for the love of parents who adopt us because it has affected my life. I have a brother who my parents adopted. Adoption is a beautiful act of love and commitment. Many people who choose to adopt go through plenty of motions in the process. You have to first learn the process. Research its many ways. Consider the costs and what type of adoption it will be. One must come to know about the children they want to adopt and then get approval. But praise be to God, our adoption into Christ's family is guaranteed because Christ predestined us for adoption through his life from the very beginning. He knows everything about us and has already paid the total price, the one way for our entry into the royal family. We are invited into community with Christ as our head and God as our father. Biology does not determine our place in God's family, only being in Christ. In our new family, we are built up. We belong to the living God and are inspired to praise the one who invites us in. There are no second-class brothers and sisters in Christ, but full membership into the body of Christ. In God's plan, we become siblings in Christ, destined to walk together, not alone in Christ's nature. In our holy embrace, even in the 21st century, Christ can give us infinitely more than the world. We receive a divine heritage. No validation is needed to acquire our divine legacy. We do not need to take a DNA test. No 23andMe, no MyHeritage, to determine that we are the actual beneficiaries of God's inheritance. It is tragic that those who are often so loved and adopted end up secondary to the, bio to the biological children for their inheritance. But in Christ, the only blood legacy required to receive the entire inheritance is Jesus' blood, for that is all that is needed to validate us. In our faith in Christ, 
We are marked with a seal that sets us free from sin and where we can live into the reality of the legacy of eternal salvation. This is Christ's promise for us, the seal of the Holy Spirit. When we make a promise, it is a future commitment to give or to do something for someone. But in God's infinite and indescribable grace, our promised heritage of redemption is already in effect. Freedom from sin today and death tomorrow. Are you living into your heir status with God? Our inheritance is as God's possession. We are the inheritance. Micah 3 and 17 reminds us, They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, my special possession on the day when I act, and I will spare them as parents spare their children who serve them. 1 Peter 2 and 9 says of us, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own possession, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. As God's inheritance we are called into a faithful response to live in the divine participation of praise because of what we have been given through God's nature. Praise might look like singing glory to God, praying for others, perhaps contemplative prayer where we rest in solitude with God to refresh our souls. Some people read through the Bible yearly as an act of praise through the discipline of reading God's word. How do you tend to praise God for the gifts of the inheritance God has given to you? What we have been given in the offering of our divine legacy is timeless and just as vital for us today, as it was for the early church, and as it will be for our children and our grandchildren. We often wrestle in silent protest as our world becomes more secular. No room for God, especially Christ. Like the Christians in and around Ephesus, we must be careful not to become enticed by the worldly attractions that we too might lose sight of our spiritual gifts from God, like we lose interest and misplace our earthly gifts. When we talk about God's gifts, we cannot limit our understanding of the cosmos to the first century. Christ's love and his love hand touches both the decorated heavenly realm to the difficulties 
of our earthly realities. Brothers and sisters, we have already been lavished with the spiritual gifts to hold on to in good times and times of spiritual trouble. Gifts that do not perish. Gifts that are for all seasons and gifts that never need upgrading. Let us live into our gift of adoption, into the most incredible family ever, the body of Christ. Let us live into the gift of inheritance, whose value is priceless and claims us from sin to death. Let us live into the gift of the promised Holy Spirit, for we have been bought with a costly price. God has graciously and lovingly offered these abiding gifts in Christ that we might faithfully face our world in divine, with divine confidence and joyful assurance of God's salvation. Amen.